Hello, Top Fan Rivalry followers. Wednesday morning. I'm sorry, Thursday morning. I get my days confused. We're almost all the way through the week. It's time to talk a little White Sox baseball. It's time to bring back two guys that have been on the podcast before. We've got a season ticket holder. We got somebody from Chicago. So good morning, Jim. How are you this morning? I'm doing good. Good to be with you once again. Hey, I love having you here. Dave, it's always great having you. How are you this morning? I am good. I'm showing off my top fan rivalry hat here. Yes, you are. Yes, you are. So, Jim, we uh, he Dave came in for a rivalry talk uh, about a month, month and a half ago or so, and we got him a White Sox hat, and we put the top fan rivalry logo on the side of it. So when we oh, have yeah, a rivalry talk, we'll, get, we'll he, try to get you one. He made a touch Sweet. of the cub hat, which wasn't good. I had to wash it. <laughs> <laughs> That's true, because <laughs> it was with a Cubs fan. That, but Victoria was a good sport, so you guys were good. You guys were good. All right, so Jim, I'm going to start with you, and then Dave, same question. Uh, I know the answer to this, but for some of you that haven't listened to Dave or Jim's podcast, how did you become um, a Sox fan? Like, where did that come about? And tell me a little bit about your Sox fandom. Well, my mother was a Southside girl. She grew up out there. Um, and I remember going out to visit my grandparents. We'd be in the neighborhood. So I, I always loved going down there. Um, my first three games ever, uh, my dad took me to Old Comiskey Park. Uh, we saw the Yankees, A's, and Tigers. And that was a great time. Uh, he also took me to Wrigley. But there was just something about the Sox that I, I always liked. Even though all, all my Cub, all my friends were Cub fans, something about the Sox, it just it pulled me. And uh, I remember 83. 83 was, was great until Tito Landrum hit that home run, knocked us out of the LCS. Uh, but I've just I've been uh, with them and uh, became a season ticket holder. Uh, Actually, it was a Christmas present for my parents because I was going to 20, 25 games a year myself uh, prior to that. So they got me a season ticket package. And uh, going out to the park now, it's like a second home. It's where I spend uh, many summer nights. Many summer nights. I love it. Uh, Dave, same question. How do you become a Sox fan? Yeah, so uh, I grew up kind of on the south side of Chicago. And, um, you know, just – messing around the neighborhood, playing wiffle ball in the alley, playing fast pitch with tennis balls in the alley, and everybody was Sox fans. So we would just say, I'm going to be Bill Melton today. I'm going to be, you know, Ed Herman or whatever, and and we would just go. And that dates me for sure, but uh, that's what we would do. You know, I'm Richie Zisk today, and I'd be trying to hit tennis balls over the apartment building. But um, it was mostly that. My my. Dad and my grandfather are both Cub fans. And, you know, my dad tells a story about how he's a Cub fan because he used to ditch school. And that was the only thing to do during the day. You'd jump on the L and you'd go up to Wrigley Field and sneak in. And, uh, you know, they were the only ones playing during the day. So, but I always tell the story that he grew up too close to the power lines. And that's why he's a Cub fan. So, <laughs> <laughs> uh, it, it goes deep. It goes deep. So, Dave, um, do you have a, I guess, do you have a favorite memory of the Cubs and maybe 
to go along. I'm sorry, the White Sox. You just said Cubs, and it stuck in my mind. Do you have a favorite memory of the of the White Sox, and then a favorite, maybe a least favorite memory with the White Sox? Well, my favorite memory is going to be 2005, and it was when my son was born. He was born at the end of July, and I took the entire month of August off, thanks to my employer, to be, to be a dad. And we sat there, he doesn't remember clearly, but we sat there and watched the whole stretch run in August when the White Sox went to Boston and went to New York and just beat everybody. And um, that was just awesome. But then to carry that through, um, there was a grand slam hit in the World Series against Houston by uh, one of our good friends, Paul Canerco, and I had to, my son was sleeping and I had to run out of the house into the street so I could scream. <laughs> okay. Do you have a, a flip side memory? Do you have a least favorite Sox memory? Least favorite has to be these last two years. Um, you get yourself hyped up that, you know, we got something here. We got a lot of good young players and, you really think you got a good pitching staff and then not only do you lose, but you lose in spectacular fashion. Um, I don't know. I, I can't think of anything that's happened. That's been, that would, that would really measure up to that. It's been bad. Uh, Jim, same question. Favorite memory, maybe least favorite memory. Well, again, we bring up a 2005, uh, my dad, brother, and me did a guy's road trip. We went to uh, New York and Boston to see the Sox out there. Uh, that was a great time. Uh, obviously, spending time with the two of them uh, is always fun. Uh, and then seeing two of the most iconic ballparks in baseball on that trip, Tenway Park, Old Yankee Stadium, made it doubly special. Um 05 also stands out just watching. We can talk about the World Series championship, but when they beat the Angels in game five, the four complete games in a row, uh, which was uh, a rarity. I thought how, how impressive that was. And, and winning the last three in LA, generally when the Sox fall west, it's a house of horrors, uh, whether it be Oakland, Seattle, Angels. So to win three in a row there was uh, really, really something. And uh, I was at Mark Gurley's first no-hitter, seeing that. It was my first ever no-hitter. Uh, it was an April weekday night. And I remember uh, Jermaine died, grand slam in the game. Yeah. And a lot of people were leaving because the temperature, it was a cold night, and people were leaving. I'm looking up in the seventh inning, no hits. And when Creedy got that brown ball and threw, fired the Canerico, I, I stood up in disbelief. I just saw a no hitter. How many people go to um, go to baseball games in a lifetime? They never see one. And here I was fortunate. Then later on, I saw Francisco Liriano no hit us. So that was my second no hitter. <laughs> so I've seen the Sox get no hit and then uh, throw a no hitter. That's a great picture of early right there. Yes, yes. Got a little autograph right there. Yes. yes. Awesome. My favorite picture awesome. ever with him looking to the sky. Awesome. Yeah. Uh, but I'm in agreement with Dave. Uh, biggest disappointment, uh, last two years. I mean, this was supposed to be the window we were supposed to be 
uh, touch it or get into that series. And here we're further from it than we than we were before this quote unquote rebuild. Right. Um, last year, especially to me, was top to bottom an organizational failure. Um, I elaborated with you on the last podcast when the, uh, they didn't have a Sox Fest last year. And then uh, you had the Cubs that had their, their fan convention. And then our home opener, we give up 16 runs to the Giants, eight home runs. I think half of them are still going. And then just the, the, the poor play, the lack of fundamental baseball, the lack of uh, sound baseball. We have all the talent in the world, but we played the game poorly. And like they've said, we lost many a game in spectacular fashion. And the Tim Anderson fiasco in Cleveland just epitomized it. Uh, it, it just okay. epitomized the season right there. We, you know, we we came in, we're gonna, all right, we're gonna we're gonna kick some tail, and then one punch, boom, we're down. That was it. Um, and, but then you you add the firing of Han, the firing of Williams, and then the mysterious shooting in the ballpark in September, and then we lose our TV announcer. It was. It was just uh, a year from a year you want to forget. Yeah. A year you want to forget. You know, it, well, you know it's what, funny. Go ahead, sorry, Dan. You know, it's funny too. Speaking about Chicago, I mean, I spend a lot of time watching the Blackhawks right now, and they're a really, really young, really inexperienced, really bad team, but they're fun to watch because they play the game right. Yeah. And the White yeah. Sox were anything but. So that's your contrast. Well, again, I go back to the, the fundamental base, the, the fundamentals. They can't, do, they couldn't do the fundamentals. They haven't been able to do the fundamentals, really. Uh, Even like they run to first base without pulling something. Right, right. I remember in 1997 when you had the home run chase between Sammy Sosa and Mark McGuire. I remember Mark McGuire hit three home runs in opening day. And I don't know about you fellas, but for me, opening day is something special. Because it's like... It's like uh, spring is here. We're ready to go. We've been waiting for baseball to happen. And Mark McGuire hits these three home runs off the Dodgers and just annihilates them. And come to find out he was going to hit 70 that season, which, you know, those three weren't that big of a deal. But the Dodgers got manhandled, and it wasn't their season. Like, they, they just, it started there. I remember this last season where you said the opening day and 16 runs. There's nothing worse than preparing for opening day and then getting kicked to the teeth like that. It's like, you mean to tell me we've got 161 more of these things to go? Like, please well, stop and now. And here's the thing. that the 91 is the year the uh, our new ballpark opened, but it's now guaranteed rate. That yeah. opened in 91. We gave up 19 runs to the Tigers that first game. So we have a good track record for home openers giving up double-digit runs. So, being a Sox fan is being very patient. <laughs> to say the least. <laughs> All right. So, um, uh, Jim, do you have a favorite sock of all time? And do you have a least favorite sock of all time? A guy that you just loved? When he was gone, you just said, I'm sure he's a nice enough fellow, but good riddance. Well, I always... Um... The last podcast, I brought up Tony Gwynn because of the, the quintessential hitter. So Frank Thomas, to me, uh, I always enjoyed watching him play. Uh, just a pure hitter, power hitter. Um, 
I also like players that the, the South side is sort of your blue collar mm-hmm. uh, fans that want to see good fundamental baseball and players that can bond with the fans, fans identify with. Uh, Mark Burley was one. Uh, Mark Burley, when he was on, he pitched like he, uh, he was double parked somewhere. Uh, yeah. Paul Canerco was was another one. Uh, I always liked Paul That's Canerco. Uh, I always liked Canerco. He uh, he ran like me, like we have a piano on our backs. But uh, he was fans always always loved him. He had a sound career, um, but he was one of my one of my favorites. And uh, I always liked AJ too. AJ Krasinski. Uh, getting under the opponent's skin was always great, but what what stood out for me was how smart AJ was. Mm-hmm. Um, he would see things that uh, he might any uh, somebody else might not pick up, but he was able to see it. And uh, yeah, drove the opposition nuts. But uh, to me, those are the guys that stand out. As far as least favorite. I never had a player I hated. I'll, I'll give you names that drove me nuts. One was Javier Vasquez. Uh, Javier Vasquez had great stuff. He could look great for the first four innings. The fifth inning, he'd forget how to pitch. And uh, I, I was at one game in Oakland in 2006. We're, we're facing the A's, beating Barry Zito, 3 nothing. Fifth inning comes along. Well, so much for the 3 nothing lead. Uh, usually it's the Second, third go around that kills him. Um, Scott Langdrink was another one, a reliever, the guy from the Padres. He came over with much acclaim, and I remember seeing him pitch against the Cubs in two crosstown classic games. We had to leave in the ninth inning, and he gave up walk-offs in, in those games. So I had to walk out of Wrigley Field in shame after seeing the Cubs walk us off two years in a row against the same pitcher. Uh, then the other two are, are hitters. Mark Tien, doubles machine in Kansas City, killed us. We trade for him. Actually, and the funny thing is we trade Chris Getz over in that deal, who's now our GM. But we get Tien here, and he continued to kill us because he left the doubles in Kansas City. Couldn't hit here. And Jeff Keppinger, who we got from Tampa Bay, I believe it was in 2009, uh, high on base guy down there. We were told, oh, he hardly strikes out. Well, he got here. That's all he did was strike out. <laughs> so those are guys that just, they drove me nuts. Drove me nuts. Yeah. I For a number of years in the mid to late 90s and early 2000s, the Dodgers would pick up players that were fantastic before they came over, and then they put the Dodger blue uniform on, and they forgot how to play baseball. And it would drive you nuts. I mean, I it just uh I, I don't want the to mention have, names, but ugh. the Cubs have been victimized by that too because I remember uh, Jeff Glauser of the Braves he yeah. killed the Cubs. The Cubs got him and same thing, couldn't hit. Couldn't yeah. hit. Eric Davis, amazing as a red, come over to Dodgers and eh, not so much. Not not so yeah. yeah. So um, we got Ricky Henderson when he was 92 and a half years old, so I don't blame him for not being awesome, but is what it is. Uh, Dave, same question. Favorite uh, socks of all time, least favorite? I'm I'm sure you agree with some of what Jim has said already. I saw you shaking your head, so, you know. Yeah. Yeah, so um, favorites, I mean, that's – it's easy, but it's not because it, there's no way to narrow it down, but um, – 
easily Mark Burley, easily Polly, um, easily AJ. Um, those guys, everything that Jim said, 100%. Um, you know, since my son's a pitcher, I appreciate pitching a bit. He also did a lot of training as a catcher, so I feel like I know catching more than the, most, the average person. And, I mean, those guys are just as smart and as, as crafty as you can get. Um, you know, going back a ways when I was growing up, I mean, I remember to this day when we signed Carlton Fisk out of the Boston Red Sox, and that was one of the best days ever, just being excited that we finally did something. And uh, it was one of the first things I think that this ownership group did when they took over. Um, so that was pretty exciting, too. Um, it's hard to pick favorite players outside of that 05 window just because there haven't, hasn't been a lot of success. But, uh, you know, those, those are the ones. And, and, you know, I'm, I'm fortunate enough to know Polly personally, and he's just a great dude. So, um, on the other side, you know, I'm, I'm looking for a name here and I, it's on the top of my, tip of my tongue. Maybe you can help me out. Outfielder. He played for the Yankees A's. We traded for him and he was complete garbage. Nick Swisher. Um, yes, that's him. That's the one I can't stand. And every time I see his face, I want to throw up. Because he played so bad for us. He stole money from us. He stole players from us. He was bad. Yeah, yeah. He was that uh and I tell you what, it was interesting. Ozzy uh post game shared a couple of stories with Swisher and uh he's right there with you as far as uh yeah. not liking him. Yeah. Yeah, I can. I mean, there's other guys that drive you crazy, like you said. I mean, um, gosh, you know th that whole run in like '06 and '07 when we were supposed to still be good and we weren't, and um, there were some players in that run that were a little frustrating to watch. Timmy's frustrating to watch. Obviously, that went south, but you know you see guys that can be so good. Um, the current guys, I mean. Yohan Mankata's got as much talent as anybody, and he just can't put it together and be a, a plus player. Um, you know, watching Yasmani Grandali the last two years has been uh, bad, really bad. Yeah. Just frustrating. Yeah. See, and that's a guy that played decent for the Dodgers, but then when he came over to you guys, I thought, hey, you picked up something that this might help, and he just went flat. I don't know what it yeah. was. I don't know. If I really, I really believe, you know, you, you, you fill in around the edges with trades, mm -hmm. but to build a team through trades is a bad idea. And the guy that's doing the trading of the player knows more than you do. And they're going to take advantage of you. And a guy like that, that's been on three and four and five teams, there's a reason nobody kept him long-term. There's mm -hmm. always a reason. So you should be buyer beware there for sure. Oh, yeah. Now. yeah, no, I, I agree. Um, okay, Dave. So let's, I'm going to combine kind of give you a multiple question one. Um, and then Jim, I'll give you the same thing. So where do you think the, what are the socks, you know, and this is January 4th that this airs. So nothing has been played yet. I mean, on paper, we saw the Padres, be amazing on paper last year and then just be terrible. The Dodgers on paper look like they're going to win 190 games and not lose anything. I, you know, so we don't play it on paper, but Dave, 
What is your outlook for the 2024 Sox? Where do you think they're strong? Where do you think that they're weak right now? So, in essence, if you were the GM, what are you making changes to? Well, it can't get worse. I think it's only going to go up. Even though you've subtracted Giolito and Lance Lynn and whatever other players we've gotten rid of, those are going to be too hard to replace just the innings that they ate up. Um, but I can't imagine it's going to get worse. Um, you're going to have guys that are hungry, fighting for jobs, fighting for their success in the league, um, don't have big contracts to rely on. Um, and I, I think the second year of the manager is going to help. I think he's going to have more uh, authority and a little bit more credibility this year with this group than the group that was there and uh, the veterans that really probably didn't really want to listen and care about playing hard. So I think it'll be better. I don't think it can be much worse. I do think um, the new GM has filled some of the holes. Um, he's doing the best he can with, you know, like no budget and no, no trade chips. But um, I, I am glad he's not trading a few chips he does have in the minor leagues, like Wilson Montgomery and a few other guys. Um, so, you know, we, we filled the hole at second base. I think that's a decent spot. Um, he's got a couple of options to sword stop. He's, he's loading up on catchers. We've all seen that you can win with catchers that can't hit. So that doesn't bother me. Mm -hmm. um, but we need to, and he's gotten some pitchers off the scrap heap. You know, it, it, it's a numbers game. If you get five guys, two might work, one might work. You're hoping for the one or the two. So I think uh, the pressure's on Michael Kopech to do something this year. And, um, you know, we'll see if Dylan Cease is still here. That's going to be a big question mark. If he's gone, then that's going to be a lot to big shoes to fill on the pitching staff. Well, I, I have to be honest. I love your signing to Martin Maldonado. I know he's on the older side, but he is a very good psychologist, which is number one, what a catcher is. Um, and he's very good behind the dish. Whatever he brings you offensively, Congratulations. Um, but again, Yasmani Grandal was hitting what 182. So mm -hmm. um I'm not giving not, anything up. Yeah. I mean, you you're you're going up from there. So, you know, my I, I liked that signing. When you guys got that signing, I thought, oh, this is gonna be good because you have somebody back there that has some jewelry, first of all. Remember, and the mm -hmm. Astros have gone to seven straight um ALCSs. So he's been there. He knows what it's like to go deep um, and he can work with the younger pitcher. It's that I'm talking too much of this, but I really liked that move, mm -hmm. even though he's mid. I liked him better five years ago, but I, I agree with you. Yeah. I mean, how's he, how's any catcher on your team or in the minors or pitcher going to argue with his success? Mm -hmm. yeah. You know? Couple He's World really Series behind the, behind the plate. Yeah, couple World Series, been to the ALCS seven times. I mean, mm -hmm. I guess that, that's like arguing with uh Joe Torrey on whether or not he's a good manager. Right? He's got a lot of jewelry to show for it. He was an all-star at three different positions. So don't mess with Joe Torrey. Yeah. Um uh what about you, Jim? What, what's your outlook for 2024? Where do you think you're strong? Where do you think you're weak? 
Well, I think first and foremost, it's got to start with just a culture shift in this organization. Um, and last year I said that uh, was bad. Uh, I like to think we hit rock bottom. We have nowhere to go but up. Um, and when you mentioned the Maldonado signing, that's part of that culture change, getting leadership in there. Uh, a guy who's been to the series, uh, who's worked with uh, worked with some uh, great pitchers in Houston, he can bring that knowledge to work with uh, the young guys that we're going to have here, and we're going to have we're going to have young guys playing. Like Dave said, it's going to be guys going all out for a job this year. Uh, but I think it's the culture change is going to be the first and foremost that uh, 24 is going to have to be about. Uh, we're not going to we're not going to win the division. But you have to establish a new a new idea, a new culture, because without that, you're not going to get any free agents coming here in the future. Um, so I think that I look for that is to me the, the goal this year. Let's get the let's get all the, the, that, that new culture in here um, as far as uh, trades. uh I'm glad he, like uh, Dave said, we haven't traded some pieces in the minor leagues. Um, and I don't trade Dylan Seeds just for the sake of trading him. You got to have the right deal. Um, so we're going to see where he's at. Yeah, Michael Kopech, clock's ticking, man. Uh, he's had, he's got the potential. You know, it's the old, uh, I remember the line from Bull Durham, million dollar arm, but 10 cent head. And uh, th that's how he pitches. Uh, he's got all the potential in the world to be great. He just, it's all mental with him. Um, you know, I, I wouldn't say we're, we're strong anywhere because that would mean we play fundamentally sound baseball. We haven't. And I like to think that that's going to be part of this new culture that we're going to learn the fundamentals. Uh, that guys are going to have to learn the fundamentals, play the fundamentals. Um, but I look at one of the things that I, and Dave can maybe attribute to this too. Advanced scouting has been really poor for this team. Um, we we could face a pitcher on maybe his first start or second start, and it's going to be a guaranteed three four hit shutout. Whatever our guys, uh, whatever our scouting is telling, telling the hitters and telling the uh, staff, it ain't working. Uh, last year, especially, we came in the first game of series and we. We got thumped a lot. You know, the game that stood out to me was the Atlanta. We went to Atlanta coming out of the All-Star break. Kopech started. Kopech, I don't think, made it to the second inning. We were already down 9 nothing. So uh, that whole advanced scouting, getting guys to play, um, even strength and conditioning. We've been uh, having too many guys on the DL uh, these last, last uh, two or three years. Eloy. Uh, he's got a part-time residency there on the DL because it's every little uh, every little thing. Oh, he's going to miss ten days, or he's going to miss seven days. So we got to get better in, in that department. Uh, and as I mentioned in my last uh, you know last podcast, build the organization from the bottom up. Don't build it from the top down. Uh, our minor leagues have been bare, so we have to replenish and get get some surplus there in the minor leagues. And, uh, have have the resources. So should some of the major league talent that we have on the roster now get moved, we know we we got some guys that are going to be uh, qualified to step in. 
So yeah, I'm excited to see uh, Garrett Crochet come back this year too. There's another name for you. Um, yes, Tennessee guy, I'm, but uh, he should be ready to go this year. I'm looking for. Uh, I'm looking forward to seeing him come back. I like. Uh, I'd be interested to see how they're going to use him if they're going to convert him to a starter or leave him in the pen. Uh, Montgomery figure is going to be up at some point this year. I'm looking more later on the year. I don't. I don't rush him by any means. Um, but I look at later in the year with, with him, and then we had the kid Ramos who had a nice Arizona Fall League for third base. Uh, see with. Uh, I like to see what, gonna, what the plan is with him. You mentioned Mankata. Yeah, Mankata. Great glove, terrible bat. And he, um, he just can't put it together. And they just got to figure out something to do with uh, Vaughn and Sheets, too. One of them's got to go. They don't have room for both. Um, Gavin Sheets deserves more than to be a bench left, left-handed bat. Um, and he can't play outfield. So... They got to put somebody in right field that's actually an outfielder for once in the last yes. three or four years. Yeah, <laughs> no, I, I agree with that. No, I, I like both players. Uh, you know, Vaughn just—you look at his batting average, but look at the home run and RBIs. He did still have a nice year, considering uh, what the team was. But I agree, yeah. Gavin Sheets deserves more. Um, I like to I like to I like to see what he can do on an everyday basis, um, and we got you know, we really are a team full of nothing but DHs. Yeah. We have too many DHs on this team, and you know whether it be Eloy, whether it be uh, if we put Sheets in there, Grandal was a DH a lot. We're a team of basically six or seven DHs in our lineup, and you can't have that. You're not going to win with that. Not going to win. No, not at all. So, not at all. But Andrew Vaughn replaced the Braves numbers pretty <clears throat> admirably. And if you put some protection around him in the lineup, I think he'll be just fine. He had no protection yeah, at all. He's got to, he just got, he's got to be himself. Don't, don't try to be in a Braves. Don't try to be uh, anybody but yourself. Relax. Just have fun. Play ball. What I'd really like to see you guys do is grab a player from the minors or a younger player that's like a Corbin Carroll that nobody's paying attention to, but has a phenomenal season. Um, give you guys that little boost of something. Because until World Series, nobody knew who Corbin Carroll's name was unless you were following baseball. Yet the guy hit, well, you, you're in Arizona. But, I mean, the guys, unless you're in Arizona or unless you're watching the World Series, the guy hit 25 home runs and had 56 stolen bases. And nobody had had um, Acuna not had that season that he had. Somebody should have been talking about him as an MVP. I mean, it's mm -hmm. it just so I'm hoping that there's a younger guy out there in Chicago that that is that type of caliber of person. Maybe not. Well, it, it, it go back to the culture, the, the player development. If that's you, you bring up a player like that. I. We had a player a number of years ago, Gordon Beckham, who came up and was a doubles machine in 2009. The next year, he struggled, but we kept him at the major league level. I, I was always advocating send him down. We had options on him. We kept him up, and he, his average just got worse and worse. Uh, the potential of what he could have been, if we had sent him down, we don't, we don't know what, what would have happened, but 
Uh, I look at that as a missed opportunity. We we developed him poorly. Um, and that's where we have to – that's where I see a guy like Montgomery. Don't rush him. Mm-hmm. The fans are going to be clamoring for him, especially in midseason. As if we're in fourth place or last place, whatever. The fans are going to be English and get, uh, get this kid up. Don't rush him because you don't want to ruin what could be a special player. Okay, so final well, question, good, fellas. The good news there, you you gave me a you gave me a segue, Bill. The good news yeah. there is the guy that was most responsible, I think, for Corbin Carroll and Alec Thomas and a few of those other guys developing the minor leagues just got hired as the White Sox assistant GM. That's Josh Barfield. There you go. Yep. There you go. There you go. I like that. So let me ask let me ask you guys this final question: with playing all twenty nine other teams. Obviously, the American League Central is probably not going to be the most dominant division in baseball. And I'm saying that again, nobody's played a game, so who knows? How many wins do you think it would take to win the Central? Dave, how many wins, whichever team is going to win the Central, how many wins do you think it's going to take them to win the Central? I'll just say 88. 88? Okay. What about you, Jim? I'd say anywhere from 85 to 87 wins. Okay. Uh, I look at uh, my pick right now is uh, actually Detroit. Detroit came on towards the end last year. Uh, Minnesota, the division. Uh, Minnesota is going to go as far as Byron Buxton's health. Uh, yeah. When he's healthy, their lineup is is dangerous. He can't stay healthy, and that affects uh, that affects them. And uh, Losing Gray, I think, is going to hurt Minnesota, where Detroit's going to be getting some of their young kids back this year. And they they closed nicely at the end of the year. So I think they're going to win that division. I think Minnesota's going to come up in second. Cleveland, uh, you can never count them out, but it's going to be interesting. What do they do with Bieber? What do they do with Class A? Uh, Stephen Boyd, to me, that singles, they're going to be looking at a rebuild. And... They got the ultimate chess piece. If they're going to rebuild, do they move Jose Ramirez? Because he could bring back a nice return for them, and that's something to, to keep an eye on. So the Royals, they're signing guys, but I think they're going to have the intent to flip them to try to build around Bobby Wood Jr. Well, I I had heard that uh, Jose Ramirez was taking on a second career um, and going to challenge for the heavyweight championship in boxing arena um you know he's already taken on tim anderson so i think he's he's got a shot i want to see him against uh odor oh <laughs> didn't work out so well for batista that's for yeah, sure I'll, I'll i'll buy a ticket to that pay-per-view <laughs> again it pained me as a stocks fan but hearing tom hamilton's call on that whole whole thing was was classic um and you know, going back to the coastal down goes Frazier, he's you know, down goes Anderson. That, uh, yeah, it's like I said before, it just epitomized our season last year. Yep, totally, yeah. totally. I'm totally with you. Watch out for Detroit. Yeah, I, yeah. I actually would say, watch out Detroit, watch out for Kansas City. Kansas City's got a young group of kids as well, and I think nobody's I talking think about that. 
I think the guys that they got uh, signed, I think they're looking at flipping to try to get some more young talent. Bobby Wood Jr. is going to be the centerpiece for them. So I, I look at maybe another year before they're really going to be uh, a force. But Detroit, they got a lot of young talent in their system. And um, we're going to see maybe first firsthand how a successful rebuild goes. We'll see. It's going to be interesting to see how they go. Well, fellas, we could do this all morning, and I would love to, but I know some people are going to need to get to work that are listening to this and are probably entrenched in it going, okay, if these boys could just stop because I'm going to be late, uh, I don't want to get any angry uh, IMs from anybody saying, hey, this is awesome. But, Jim, thank you so much for your for your wisdom and knowledge about the Sox. Dave, as always, thank you. Hats off to both of you guys. Um if you boys can stick around for a second after we're done here, um, I do have a few things uh, to tell you guys. But, Dave, thank you so much. You're always welcome on a podcast. Jim, thank you as well. Uh, you're always welcome. Let's do it again, and happy Thursday to everybody. Thank you so much. My pleasure. Thank you. Yeah.